Thank you, Sam. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, good on you. You resisted the temptation to be at the beach. <laughs> well, what a beautiful evening it is. But, uh, you know, we're going to believe God that tonight is in a night of encounter. You know, that's what we want, to encounter Him and thank the Lord for His amazing presence already. Um, you know, that Rodney Howard Brown meeting, I've been in meetings with him. He, um, he really carries something. Uh, and uh, it's amazing, so I um, encourage you to be there. So anyway, we want to share with, some, with you again just some prophetic stuff we feel God is saying uh, as we enter this new decade. All right. Have you got your seatbelts on? <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit, we, we thank you for your precious presence. And we open our hearts to you and we, we say, speak, Lord. We are listening we ask this, Lord, that you will open our ears to hear your voice so clearly tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Change agents choose. That's what this is called. You know, the times we're living in, they're times of turmoil and conflict in the world. The, the not-so-good news is there's much more shaking coming in the earth in the, the decades ahead of us. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But we must have unshakable faith in our king because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The great I am is in control. And in the midst of much chaos in many nations, heaven is decreeing shift and change in New Zealand and other nations of the world. And part of what God is doing, you see, God is always at work, no matter how things appear with our, what we see with our natural eyes. The Lord is mobilizing and strategically positioning his people in the world to be his revolutionary change agents. You and I are called to be change agents. And you know that word revolutionary means liable to lead to sudden change. Okay, so God calls you and me his revolutionary change agents, whether it's in your family, your neighborhood, our schools, unis, workplaces, wherever we happen to be. And God is taking his change agents, positioning them in strategic positions to bring greater kingdom influence in all spheres of society in the 2020s and beyond. We want to see our education change. We want to see government change become godly governments. We want, we want business and law and, and, and medicine, every area of our society, we want to see transformed um, as it is intended for in the kingdom of God. And what the Lord is doing is he is raising up a vast army of these bold, spirit-filled lovers of Jesus who will do great exploits for him. You know, I sense God has earmarked this particular time, this generation alive today. And it's, it's the, you know, the, the young people, it's the older people, it's the children, it's every generation. God has earmarked this time. We have been born for such a time as this. We really have. It's not a cliche. And um, it, it has been earmarked for awakening and revival. 
We are living in incredible days because God as intends us as, this, as part of this army he's raising up to by the power of the Spirit to transform lives, to change atmospheres and release kingdom influence wherever he, he calls us to be positioned. These are incredible days. The time of multiplication is here. And God is also going to manifest multiplied miracles in our time. This is what I felt him say. You know, multiplication. Multitudes will pour into the kingdom of God. He's after the salvation of the nations. This is the era of the greatest harvest and move of the Spirit across the earth ever seen. And there is an urgency. You know, in, in early October, I felt Jesus say this encourage my people to keep praying with faith and expectation. I'm coming sooner than people think. I want my people fully awake and ready to ride the wave of my spirit as he moves across the nations. And I've, in visions, I've seen this, this tsunami wave of God's fire and glory flooding New Zealand and other nations, and it's filled me with holy awe and fear of the Lord, great reverence for him. You know, Jesus wants all of us to be ready vessels to partner with the Holy Spirit in bringing kingdom change. And God, Jesus repeated himself again later in October. He said, I am coming sooner than you think. My people, get ready. Now, this is important. Cleanse your hands. Cleanse your hearts. Consecrate yourselves to me. And consecrate means devote or dedicate. Psalm 24 verse 4 is an important verse. To be change agents, we must choose. And I received this prophetic word um, in the latter part of last year. Very unexpectedly, I was washing uh, dishes at the kitchen sink. And these are the words I heard. 2020 is a turning point year. Choose this day whom you will serve. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And I was, wow, it actually physically made me weak at the knees. These three elements. It is a turning point year, both for individuals and nations. And turning point simply means a point at which decisive change takes place. The second element, choose this day whom you will serve. It is the day of decision. And, you know, Joshua chose right. He said in Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. It's a resolve. And that is what God's, he desires us to respond like that. As for me and my family, we are going to serve God wholeheartedly. There's that individual decision to choose to consecrate ourselves with no compromise to God. And there's also nation's decision to choose to honor God and to honor Israel. It will determine if they will be sheep or goat nations. Joel 3.14 says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The day of decision will ultimately determine the outcome in the valley of decision when God judges the nations. So this is a really serious thing. And you know, two months later, after I received this at the kitchen sink, God has a wonderful sense of humor. Um, this word was confirmed um, 
by um, something that I read that Rick Joyner wrote, and I quote this. This is what he wrote. Every individual, every church congregation, and every nation is in the valley of decision. Each nation is right now facing the challenges where it will determine if it is a sheep or goat nation when Jesus returns. So there is an urgency. Choose this day whom you will serve and choose to be God's revolutionary change agent. Um, I close with this. You know, in these times, God intends us, his church, to model the fullness of the kingdom, that we are called to be a people of both the word and the spirit, that we'll be champions of truth, who speak the truth in love, we'll be champions of faith, who do impossible exploits for God, we will be true worshipers, we'll be powerful prayer warriors, then wherever God uniquely positions each one of us, we will see the kingdom come as it is in heaven. I want to talk to you about handling the high mountains. You know what Greta shared is uh, where the Lord wants to take the church, and the enemy lies to us, and he tells us, well, you're not going to be part of that because look at all your problems. But, uh, you know, you have a Savior that loves you. You have a Savior that's committed to transform you. You have a God that's on the throne and in control, and he's bigger than your problems, bigger than what you're grappling with, bigger than that sin you can't beat. He is bigger than it all, and he is absolutely determined. You know what the Bible says? He's able to do abundantly more than you can ever dare to ask or think. So when Greta talks about that, he, all he looks for us is to decide, are we going to follow him or follow something else? You know, when Jesus started his ministry, he, he started with 40 days of prayer and fasting, and at the end of it, the devil comes and tempts him. And one of the temptations that um, the devil uh, gave to Jesus is found in Luke chapter 4. You can read the whole passage in verses 1 to 7, but this is the bit that's relevant for us tonight. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, it will all be yours. How did the devil get authority over the world? It's because Adam and Eve gave it to them, gave it to him. They had it, but when they sinned, they forfeited the right to rule planet earth, and the devil took it. He stole it away through a lie that they believed. And so when he comes to Jesus, says, all this has been given to me, he's not lying, but he says, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything. And high mountains are dangerous places. High mountains represent pinnacles of success in vocation, ministry, influence, business, politics, wherever life takes you, if you reach the pinnacle of your profession, of your ministry, of your vocation. That is a high mountain. And Father God wants all His children to attain to being able to stand on high mountains, and yet they're very dangerous places. We know, for example, that the seven mountains of society are high mountains. There's a list of them coming up. 
uh, you can break society down into seven key areas of influence, government, business, education and science, family, arts and entertainment, religion, media, and the judiciary would be under government. Those are the seven great mountains of influence in the earth. And the enemy wants to control every one of them. And yet God wants to deploy people onto those seven mountains to bring the influence of the kingdom of God to earth. But you and I better understand that if God deploys us there, there'll be one who will come as he did to Jesus and say, hey, use it for yourself. Just bow down and worship me. Now, none of us as believers are going to bow down and worship the devil. But listen, this is how it works. How many Music stars, actors, politicians, great leaders who started out as Christian, got fame and success. And what happened? Many of them forsake God. Because what happens is the devil comes on their high mountain of influence, which God has given to them to be influential in the earth. And he says, just use it for your own acclaim. Use it to feel good about yourself. You're on a high mountain. People love you. They're worshiping you. There's adulation. There's praise. There's success. Just enjoy the fame. And right there, they've bowed to the devil's temptation. I remember as a young pastor in Wellington, one of my things, I'd love to visit the elderly people because... They had been in these great meetings with Smith Wigglesworth. He was a revivalist evangelist, and I just wanted to hear everything that had been happening. And so I would go and sit with them and talk with them, and they'd tell me stuff. And I was leaving one day, an elderly lady, and she said to me as I was going out the door, she said, you know, I pray for you every day. I said, oh, thank you so much. She said, this is what I pray for you. Lord, keep him close to your heart and low at your feet. I thought, wow, what a great prayer. And I have never forgotten that. And I regularly pray that prayer over myself. Lord, keep me close to your heart and low at your feet. Because any mountain you open up for me, I don't want to blow it on that high mountain. Because that is a place of great pressure, great satanic temptation. Yet it can be a great place of great influence for the kingdom of God. God wants his people and his children to be able to stand on high mountains. He wants to promote his children there. And I, in greater sense, that this decade is about God promoting many of his children into positions of influence and significance in the earth to bring about transformation and change. But if there is insecurity in us, we will use the high mountain to fuel our sense of self-worth. And if we do that, we are actually bowing to the enemy. And let's, believe, let's, let's be honest, there's insecurity in every one of us. Because, you know, we, it's kind of like we're a fallen human race, and we're redeemed, and, and the Lord is casting out that spirit of fear, but it's a process, and one day we'll have a resurrection body. There'll be no insecurities at all, but we have to be honest and say, hey, there are times where there's insecurity. What do people think about us? You know, I, wanna, I want people to like me. That's all insecurity stuff, and if, if, we, if there's insecurity that is not brought under the blood of Jesus, brought to the feet of Jesus, then the high mountain will be 
be used by us to uh, bring a sense of affirmation and self-worth that really should come out of our relationship with the Lord, not out of the mountain we stand on. And we must never measure our worth by the height of the mountain we stand on. Because I've discovered in life that God puts his people on all different types of mountains. Some of us are on little mountains, some of us on medium mountains, some of us on real tall mountains. And it's like the talents, you know, some have one, some have two, some have five. He, he just does that by his sovereign choosing. And so we're all on different sized mountains. So don't allow somebody else's mountain to intimidate you. Don't say, well, they've got a higher mountain, so they're more worthy than I am. I love the story Tony Campolo tells about his wife, Peggy. Um, he was a, well, he is a pastor. I don't know if he's still pastoring, but a writer, a Christian educator. And he was an advisor to President Bill Clinton back in the 90s. And so that means that he and his wife would be invited to all these really uh, big dinners and, and events where there's a lot of famous, uh, important people. And he tells this story of how his wife, Peggy, grew tired of the point scoring at dinner and cocktail parties in Washington. She always felt so worthless when she would ask a young woman what she did for a job, and the woman would reply something like, I'm a lawyer with Bond, Gibbon, and Priest, specializing in commercial law and public policy. And what do you do? To which Peggy would say, oh, I'm just a housewife. Determined not to be intimidated in the future, she worked out a little speech. The next dinner party, when asked by a woman what she did, Peggy replied something like this. I'm involved in the socialization of two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition so that they might be transformers of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia God willed for us before the foundation of the world. Then as an afterthought, Peggy asked the woman, and what you, do you do? To which she replied, oh, I'm just a lawyer. <laughs> Apologies to any lawyers here. Apologies to you. You see, you're not just a. Whatever your mountain you're standing on, the mountain of motherhood, the mountain of parroting, the, the mountain of... of uh, being on a rubbish truck, the mount you keep in the city clean, the mountain of whatever you're doing in life, you're not just a. Don't let the devil tell you you're just a. You're not a just a. You're a son or a daughter of God. And I don't care whether you're on a little mountain or a big mountain, it's important to the Lord and it will bring influence over people's lives. You've got to see your mountain as of great importance. And we never must allow our sense of worth to come from the mountain, but rather to come from the Lord. Um, we are loved by the Father. We are beloved by the Father because of faith in Jesus. It is not because of our religious performance that He loves us. It's because we've trusted in His Son, Jesus. And I love Deuteronomy 33, 12. It says, let the beloved of the Lord, that's all of us, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields them all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Picture of the shepherd carrying the sheep. I don't want to stand on a mountain higher than somebody else's. 
But I do want to stand on the highest mountain God's called me to. I don't want to get to heaven and find there were mountains of influence I could have stood on, but Father, in His protective care and love, couldn't entrust them to me because He knew if I got there with what was in my heart, they would destroy me. And He loves us too much to promote us to a mountain that would destroy us, but rather He works on our character so that He knows by the time you get to stand on that mountain, you have the character to handle the satanic onslaughts that will come, that you will use that mountain for your own glory. And don't let the shadow of someone else's mountain intimidate you. Uh, we, we were at a national conference in the UK last year, and we were part of the speaking team, and, um, and uh, I was standing next to one of the guest speakers, one of the international speakers, and uh, he was speaking that night, and Greta and I were speaking the next day, and so he was being introduced. And, and it went sort of like this, that um, this is so-and-so, he's from so-and-so, and you know, God is using him. He, is, he goes into the biggest churches in the world. He is ministering in 110 nations, and I'm starting to shrink. Like, I'm thinking, we go into some of the smallest churches in the world. It's like, because we choose to do that as well as some reasonable size one, and we've only been in 10 nations, not 110. And so I'm starting to feel really intimidated. I'm starting to let his mountain cast its shadow on me. And I thought, Lord, I've got to deal with this right now because if I don't deal with this, then tomorrow when we speak, I'm going to try and perform to impress. Because see, insecurity will always lead you to perform to impress. And so if I allowed that insecurity that I was feeling to take root in me, I was going to be in trouble. So I just said, Holy Spirit, Jesus, help me. You know what? Straight away, the Lord gave me a vision. I had my eyes shut. He, I, I saw Jesus in heaven. He had his arms around my first wife, Jane. She was waving at me, and he was smiling, pointing to Jane. Now, for those of you who don't know, my first wife, Jane, had multiple sclerosis, was confined to a wheelchair for 21 years, and for the last 16 years of her life, I was a full-time caregiver. She couldn't do anything for herself, so it really was full-time caregiving. And it was, this is what the Lord said to me, as I saw that amazing vision, he said, caring for your wife was a very high mountain in heaven's sight. You don't have to do anything else to prove anything to heaven. It's like, Lord, thank you. You see... Serving gets heaven's attention. Serving gets heaven's attention. Uh, earth, I've said it before, earth notices stars, heaven notices servants. When, when, this is the problem with high mountains. If you want a high mountain to be a star, you'll fall. And many people get on high mountains and become stars, and they don't know how to handle that. And they fall or they move away from God. The only reason you want to have a high mountain is that you can serve. Because if you have that servant heart, and, and you know what? What the Lord showed me out of that is, you know, no, not a lot of people saw what I did for Jane. But heaven did. 
And maybe there's some of you out there that have been caring for loved ones and, you know, you're, nobody really sees what you do. But I tell you what, he does. And you're hidden away, but you're on a really high mountain. That's what heaven thinks. It's funny because the speaker got up and the first words out of his mouth was, he said, we don't have to prove ourselves or be, do anything to be spectacular. I was like, okay, Lord. And we could minister the next day in freedom. You know, if we're secure in the Father's love, it's possible to stand on a high mountain and not fall. And Jesus resisted the devil's temptation. This is what he said to the devil, Luke 4, verse 8. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. You shall, if God gives you a high mountain of influence, whether it's little or big or whatever, but it's influential, if God gives you that and he wants to give us all those mountains of influence, whether it's over one or two people or a hundred or two hundred or a thousand or two thousand, you know, here's the deal. Him only will we serve. Him only will we worship. God is wanting to put so many of his people on high mountains. But in order to handle that, you've got to have this thing. You've got to say to yourself, him only will I serve. Him only will I worship. Nobody else, not myself, not my fears, not anything. Him only will I worship. I'm convinced, and Greta's convinced, we're entering an era where many of God's people will stand on higher mountains than ever before. Some of you have been standing on mountains that have been shrouded in fog because God has not unveiled you to the world. You're already there, but the mountain's hidden from the view of others. I tell you what, God's going to cause the sunshine of His glory to fall on your mountain. That fog is going to evaporate, and suddenly people say, wow, what, how did you get there? You've been there all the time, but God's been hiding you, and now He's unveiling you because He wants your influence to go forth. Psalm 75, 10, I will cut off the strength of the wicked and increase the power of the godly. We're going to see more of that in this decade. Daniel 2, 25, God determines world events. Aren't you glad about that? God determines world events. Hey, oh, not, not politicians, not generals, not the media. God determines world events. It says he removes kings, ungodly kings, and sets others on the throne. Sets others on high mountains of influence. God has been preparing us for those mountains through the valleys of adversity, testing, and difficulty. I've discovered the greater our sense of weakness and dependency on Him, the taller the mountain we'll be able to stand on. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5 to 6, Paul, the great apostle, said this about himself, not that we're adequate to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who has made us able ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter that kills, but of the Spirit who gives life. Paul thought inadequacy was a good thing. If you want to know what inadequacy is, look at the next slide. Inadequacy is, I'm not able to do this. Inferiority is, I'm not good enough to do it. The Holy Spirit will work in you to create inadequacy. 
The devil will work in you to create inferiority. Reject inferiority because God has not given you a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. But inadequacy is a good thing. It means I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. Lord, I'm not able to succeed on this mountain. I'm not able to do this. But oh, and you don't stop there because if you stop there, you'll be paralyzed. But you say, though I'm not able, you have made me an able minister of the new covenant. And that doesn't mean you're necessarily a preacher of the gospel, but you could be an accountant and you're a minister of the new covenant. You could be be a retail therapist serving the public and you can be a minister of the covenant. It's just you shine wherever you are. We're not adequate to consider anything as coming from ourselves. The moment we think it's, we've got it, is the moment we start to fall. And that's not false humility. That's just the reality that he wants to be glorified. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may belong to God and not ourselves. There's a young generation on the rise. God's releasing a mighty army through the earth. We haven't seen them come forth yet. But they're stirring, they're being prepared. God is preparing a great army of spiritual warriors, young people under the age of 35. And it doesn't mean if you're over 35, you're not going to be part of that army. But how many know that half the world's population is actually under 25 at the moment? So wouldn't it make sense if God wants to reach half the world, he'd raise up an army of young people who will march with a vitality and, and, and energy and strength and be lovers of God. And God is raising up that army. But those young people better know, like we older people, that really it's the tr- we're the earthen vessels. It's his treasure within. As God strips us back to weakness and dependency on him, Only then will we be able to handle the blessings and pressures that the high mountains bring. Only then will we be able to stand on the highest mountains he's assigned to us and worship and serve him only. And this dependency on God brings a greater desire for intimacy with him. Because you see, those deeply in love with him won't worship another God on the high mountain. And intimacy with the Lord is the great, salvation to keep you from stumbling on the high mountain. Some of you don't even know Jesus tonight. You're here, you got dragged along by a friend, i.e. invited, and, uh, but you're here and you're hearing my words saying, what relevance is this for me? Well, here it is. You can have, you can have a party life that you think is exciting, but let me tell you, it'll end in the fire of hell And they don't party down there. They grieve, groan, and scream down there. And a lot of New Zealanders are partying, like eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. What point is there in that? See, true fulfillment in life is living with purpose. 
true fulfillment is making a difference on planet earth. You weren't put on planet earth to drink beer, smoke drugs, watch pornography, have a good time. You think that's a good time. It's actually destroying your life. You were put on planet earth to be loved by a loving God, to have him reveal himself to you, that you could come into relationship with him, that God could make you useful. God could make you, give you a sense of purpose. God could make you a change agent on planet earth, whether it's changing just your family or your neighborhood or a city or a nation or whatever, God has put you on planet earth for a purpose. And some of you don't know Jesus tonight, and it's time that you step out of your world into his world, and you can only do that when you ask him to forgive you all your sins and all the rotten stuff you've been doing. It offends God. It keeps you separated from God. Our iniquities have made a separation between us and our God. But he laid the sins of us all on Jesus. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that just doesn't mean God saves you so you get to heaven when you die. He saves you so that he can work on your heart, so that you can stand on high mountains of purpose and influence on planet earth and be a change agent for him. He saves you for a reason. And I'm going to give an opportunity in just a minute for people here to receive the Lord Jesus Christ or to come back to him if you've moved right away from him tonight. Those in love with Jesus won't worship another God on the high mountain. Habakkuk 3.19 says, The Lord is my strength. He makes my feet as sure as those of a deer, and he helps me stand on the mountains. I'll close with this. If we take care of the depth of our relationship with God, He will take care of the the height of the mountain we stand upon. You don't have to grow that mountain. You don't have to sweat and, oh, let become bigger. You just go deeper into the Lord. And the deeper you go, the higher your mountain will be of influence. You know, in a... In a moment, we're going to be praying for all those under 35 because, as Greta and I have been sharing today, uh, God is after your generation, and you're going to be the change agents and influencers in the next 10, 20 years on planet Earth. You'll be the leaders. You'll be the educators. You'll be the politicians. You'll be the whosoever's. You'll be the ministers. You'll be, you'll be whatever. You'll be the parents. So God is after you now. And the rest of us who are over 35, well, we're in it too. We've still got mountains of influence. But our job is to champion the next generation. So in a moment, we're going to pray for the under 35s. But right now, if you've come to this meeting and you don't know Jesus, you're living a worthless life. The devil promised to give the whole world to Jesus if he bowed down and worshipped him. You know what Jesus said? If you try and save your life, you'll lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a person, he said, to gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
And tonight, you're hearing this message. And I believe it's because God is after you. Father knows you. God loves you. You're not here because you've been dragged along by a well-meaning friend or invited. You're here because God wants you here to hear this message tonight. But you can ignore it and you can listen to the devil's lies. Just keep partying. Just keep doing what you're doing and I'll give you everything. No, he won't give you everything because you'll end up losing your soul. So in these moments, could could we all close our eyes to help us concentrate? Now I'm going to simply ask you, if you need to give your life to Jesus, or you need to come back to him, right where you're sitting right now, would you just quickly raise your hand as an indication? Yeah, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to come back to him. As I scan the room, just raise your hand. Hold it up high. Thank you, sir, right in front of me. God bless you. Anyone else? Thank you over there, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? You can put your hands down. Thank you. Anyone else? Just quickly. Did I see a hand just here? Yeah, thank you, young man. God bless you. Anyone else? Just quickly raise your hand. Just raise your hand. You're giving your life to Jesus or coming back to him. Don't allow fear to stop you. God's not given you a spirit of fear. He wants you in his kingdom. He wants you to be his son or daughter. He wants to give you purpose. He wants to wash away your sin. He wants you to live forever with him, but you're just going to have to lose your life and give it over to Jesus to do that. So I'm just going to say, if fear is stopping you right now or embarrassment or anything, Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Thank you over there, young lady in a white dress. God bless you. Anyone else? Just quickly raise your hand right now as I scan the room. Just another 10 seconds or so waiting for you to raise your hand. Yeah, just over there on my right. I can't see you, but someone's pointing you. God bless you. Oh, oh, right over there. Thank you, young man. Anyone else? Just quickly as I scan again. Raise your Just throw it in the air right now. Just raise it up instantly. We're going to include you. Yeah, God bless you over there. Thank you. All right. And over there. Yeah, thank you, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Just anyone else right now? Just quickly. Last call. Raise your hand right now. If you know you need to give your life to Jesus or come back to him. All right. I don't see anyone else. Let's all stand, church. I'd love to pray for the people that raised their hands. And maybe I didn't see your hand, so sorry. But in a moment, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat and come down the front because I can't possibly get to you. You're spread all over the meeting. I want to meet you. I want to pray for you. So would you right now, if you raised your hand, could you quickly leave your seat and come and join me down the front? Just come from all over the church. Thank you. Just come. Be great. Thank you for coming and uh, took courage, but you've made the right decision. You really have. So what we're going to do is pray a simple prayer. I'll lead you in it, and I just want you to follow me phrase by phrase. Is that okay? And we're going to pray it out loud. And all the church, you'll pray it with us. And listen, just mean it from your heart. 
Okay, it's not lightning bolts and, wow, God's going to, no, no. It's just he comes and he lives inside of you. And he begins to change you from the inside out. He gives you new desires. He changes the desires within you. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things pass away. He begins to make all things new. Whatever your past, whatever you've been doing, it's going to be washed away tonight. He's going to forgive you. He loves you. He has a great purpose for your life. And so would you pray to him tonight and make it a prayer from your heart? Here we go. Say it out loud. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me tonight from all my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, and I turn from them, and I turn to you. I believe you died on a cross for me, and you rose again from the dead. So I now open the door of my heart and ask you to come and live in me. Lord Jesus, I now receive you. And I give you my life from this day on. Give me power to live for you for the rest of my days. Amen. Amen. Well, God has done that. And... Uh, we just want to help you take the next step. So if you turn to your right, this is Pastor Helen, and she's just going to take you out to the cafe. She's got a small team of people that are going to give you something to know how to take the next step. So could you turn that way and just follow her out, and it'll be only a few minutes, then you'll be able to come back in. Sweetheart, can you join me on stage? You can all take a seat again. many uh, are under 35? Just give me a wave. Could you all stand to your feet, please, those who are under 35? Wow, there's a whole bunch of you. All the under 35s. How many want to be under 35 again? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't want to go through all that pain and trauma. <laughs> uh, I'm really happy where I'm at, but oh, all the under 35s. Hey, could you come out the front, please? Just come out the front. Just let's have everyone out the front. All the under 35s, let's just come out the front. And uh, just try and make one line if you can all around the stage. Use the sides. If we can, just have one line. That would be great. Oh, my goodness, we can't even fit you all in. Huh? We might have to have some of you just stay in the aisles. Would that be okay? Some of you just stay in the aisles. And uh, uh, we could make two lines, yeah. Just come forward a bit further, the front line. That would be great. And uh, this is a young church. This is the future. This is great. Wow. Uh, even though we've got two lines, I, I think we're going to have to um, keep some of you in the aisles. I was going to get all the over 35s to pray for you, but you're outnumbered, guys. Sorry. <laughs> like you'd have to pray for about six people to, to cover. So we might just have to think differently. 
Here, can I just say this to you? Could you just look at me? If you're under 35. You're going to be the greatest generation the 21st century seen. I don't say that to hype it. I believe it. You know, the 20th century saw a great generation of young people. They went to war. They saved the world from oppression and Nazism and everything else. They were a great young generation. I pray you'll never have to go to war militarily, but listen, God's going to send you to war spiritually. And he wants to put you on mountains of influence. And in a way, I feel sorry for you because I think your generation, you're facing the toughest things that I think any young generation have ever had to face. The stuff that's on the media, the stuff that's on the net, the peer pressure, the liberalism, it just goes on and on. And the Lord showed me that there are three, you know, the devil hates you. He absolutely hates you. That's because God absolutely loves you. And he hates what God loves. And he's tried three things to destroy you. And these are the three things that he uses to destroy or to, to, to stop you. Number one, destruction through abortion. To stop you being born. Well, you've come, but what about others? Millions have never been born because of abortion. And so their high mountain has never been stood on. Their influence on planet earth has never been known. Yes, they're in heaven, and that's wonderful, but they never got to stand on a high mountain because that's one of the strategies of the devil. And if you've had an abortion, God will forgive you, and your child is in heaven. But please understand that you're cutting off a life and a destiny. And the second thing that the devil will try is to defile you, pollute you, defile you, destroy you in the womb if he can, defile you through all the junk and rubbish that's out there today in the media that's unclean, that's distorted and twisted. And then if he can't defile you, he'll try and distract you with false causes. We've got an army of people, young people around the world, getting stirred up about climate change. And hey, you know, I think a lot of stuff is worthwhile there, but listen, I think God wants to stir up an army about soul change. Because when you change the soul of a nation, you do change the climate. The Bible is very clear. When a nation is under the blessing of God, He blesses the crops, He blesses the weather, He blesses everything. And I believe the, the devil is trying to distract you. So all those over 35, I just want you to stand. And Sam and Jody, could you come on the platform? And I'm going to hand the mic to Greta in a moment. And maybe we're just going to Get all the over 35s in a moment when we tell you to stretch out your hand to these young people and begin to pray and pray in the Spirit. But just not yet. Sweetheart, you want I just want to encourage you with two things. Um, first of all, a statistic. You know, in 2013, I read in the newspaper 
that they said by 2025, which is now just around the corner, over a period of 12 years, a billion more people will be born on the planet. And this, first of all, the, the young adults, and there are children here as well, but that the, the, the young adults, God is calling you to rise up, to be revolutionary change agents, to be reformers, because you will lead the charge in raising up and reaching this next generation of younger children being born, and you will train these younger children to reach their generation. And we really do believe that that um, young people, 35s and under, you will go way beyond any generation before you. And the Lord has graciously shown me the second thing in visions of what this incredible army of mighty warriors on fire for, in love with Jesus look like. And if you will resolve and say, I choose this day whom I will serve. As for me, I will worship the Lord and obey Him as you consecrate yourselves to Him with that decision of choosing. I tell you, it's the Holy Spirit's job. He will transform every one of you without fail into that incredible, mighty warrior who will be full of love and fire and the power of the Spirit and you will go and do great exploits of transformational change out there. Amen. Amen. You know, we're getting old, but we, we really love you guys. You know, we just get thrilled when we see the next generation pushing into God. And we want to see you go way beyond where we've ever been. Could you, if you're under 35, just lift your hands to the Lord like you're going to receive something. And I want the whole church, could you stretch out your hands? Could you begin to pray? Just one, two minutes. Pray your best prayer. Pray in tongues. Pray for this generation. Pray they'll be protected. Pray they'll be preserved. Pray they'll be blessed. Pray they'll be anointed. Pray that God will release them onto the high mountains. Pray that God will develop their character, whatever. Just begin to pray. on church pray for them this is the next when we have gone this is it when we've gone to heaven these are left these are the army of God pray blessing on them pray like they're your own kids your own grandkids your own sons and daughters bless them bless them bless them thank you Jesus who saved you for a purpose saved you for a purpose Jody, do you want to kick off? 
Lord, we just pray for every single one of these young people on the altar tonight. And God, I pray that you would give them that spirit of might. Lord, that no matter what comes their way, they'd be able to stand firm. That you would give them an unquenchable fire for you that would never be satisfied. That they would be a generation that would run after you. I pray nothing would get in the way of that. I pray you'd give them, even tonight, as they're on this altar, just an absolute clarity and assurance that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and they would know you. They would be friends of God. They would have that deep relationship with you. God, I pray that you would do something powerful through each and every one of them. May they stand on those high mountaintops in the in the seasons ahead. Equip them with everything they need to stand firm in you. Lord, I pray against all insecurity that you would break it down and you would fill them with a security that can only come from you. God, we thank you for this army that is arising. Lord, we give them into your hands. We pray for a holy protection, a wall of fire around them, that they would walk in your ways and they would do all that you have called them to do. And God, in the times and the months and years ahead, we would just see amazing, amazing things from each one of these young people. So Lord, we just release your full destiny over every single one of them in the name of Jesus. Father, right now we join together, Lord, as the, as the generation now, God, and we ask for every single person on the assaulter. We ask that you'll protect them right now, God, from the works of the enemy that will try to distract them, try to uh, defile them from the things that you're calling them to. God, we ask right now that tonight will be a defining moment where they will start having dreams and visions of the mountains that you're calling them to, the places you're calling them to bring influence, to bring change. God, that they'll be able to stand apart and stand up for what is true and what is right. Father, give them the ability to run after the things that truly matter to you. Father, we thank you right now that you are calling them. You are calling them right now to make a difference. God, that they have been called with a purpose. Father, we thank you right now that it's through dependency on you. God, let them know how to be intimate with you. Let them know how to draw close to you. Let them know how to find you personally and run and run close to you all their days. We ask for that. Lord, not out of selfish ambition, Lord, but out of a determination to bring change to their generation. We thank you that they will stand on the high places. They will stand on the mountains that you've called them to because right now, Lord, we stand them apart. We call them and commission them right now to stand on those places you have asked them to. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Just keep your hands up to receive from the Lord. We're going to release some things that the the Lord wants you to receive. Holy Spirit, thank you. Would you come now and just release your anointing over every, every person. Receive. I release to you an impartation of extraordinary grace. Receive multiplied grace to have clean hands, to have a pure heart, for a heart after Jesus, for a a, a consecrated heart that will fully follow Him, that will worship Him alone. And now I release His fire receive the fire of the Spirit that you will run in the power of the Lord in the name of Jesus. Receive His fire, Lord. Holy Spirit, be filled with the Spirit of love, 
and power and a sound mind. So Holy Spirit, you know, I, I had a, could you just all open your eyes, young people? Um, I had a sense when I was praying tonight, um, this, this afternoon for the meeting, that as you responded with your hearts to the Lord, He was going to mark, put His mark on you. He's going to mark you out for His purposes from this night on. Now, you're going to have to steward that. You're going to have to make sure that you follow after God hard. That if you keep following the Lord from this night on, He's marking you to be a man or woman of influence in the days to come. And so in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit puts His mark on you. You are separated unto God. You are separated from the world. He marks you for His mission. He marks you for His mountains from this night on. You are a marked person. We talk about a marked man like it's a bad thing, but this is a good thing. You are a marked person, marked by heaven for His purposes. And I want to tell you, young Zach, where's Zach? There you are. You're going to be a man of influence. In this next 10 years, your, your uh, love for God is just going to go. You're going to be a lover of the Word of God. You're, going to be, you're already inquisitive. You're going to ask so many questions about the Bible. Probably going to drive mum and dad crazy, but it'll be exciting. But you're just going to be a man of the Word. And I see God making you a man of influence who knows how to speak the truth boldly. There's a prophetic anointing on your life, and I call it forth tonight. You're going to speak things that are uncomfortable for some people to hear, but it's going to be the truth. And you won't understand all this tonight, but hopefully it's being recorded, and you guys can get a copy and show them in the years to come. But we mark you tonight. We bless you tonight. And those of us over 35, let's commit to pray for this generation. Let's bless them. Let's love them. Let's believe God in them. And uh, thank you for coming. You can return to your seats right now. Why don't we sing something as I hand back to Pastor Sam. And uh, thanks, Adrian. Pour it out. We'll let your love run over. Come on. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. Pour it out, let your love run over. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. Tongues of fire, tongues of fire. Testifying of the sun, one desire. Spirit come, spirit come, speak revival. The prophesy like it is done, one What a great night. I want everyone to take a seat out there. We've got two, one, two more things to do. Um, 